Have you ever wondered the timetable of Paul after his conversion? Well, that's what I'm looking at in Galatians chapter one. So get out your Bibles and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. What's up, my friends? I pray you guys are blessed that you are standing strong in your faith as you continue to not only study God's Word, but that you fellowship with other fellow believers and that you're exercising your spiritual gifts. Matter of fact, just as I was uh, doing some devotions lately in the last, I guess, you know, probably couple of weeks and having even some discussions with some really good friends talking about spiritual gifts and talking about how the Holy Spirit has given you and I the opportunity, right, through his power, right, in his love to not just fellowship, but how we can be instrumental by using our spiritual gifts to really build up the body of believers as we honor our Lord. So, by the way, if you've never figured out or really considered what your spiritual gifts are, I do have a Q&A book called The Bible's Answers to 100 of Life's Biggest Questions. And one of the questions in there, we talk about spiritual gifts and give a chart we lay out from Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and break down many of the gifts, depending on how you kind of break it out, 17 or more uh, spiritual gifts there and kind of give definitions, uh, back it up with scripture. But there's also spiritualgifts.org, I believe, but Elmer Towns has a classic uh, kind of a inventory way of, uh, you know, taking in a, a quick little assessment of maybe figuring out some of your spiritual gifts. So take advantage of those things. Now, with that being said, let's continue our study here in Galatians chapter one, as this is podcast 163. In the title of today's message that we're going to be looking at in verses 15 through 24 is the timetable after Paul's conversion to Christ. Now, again, you know, here on the podcast, this isn't this style to kind of preach through the text and be very topical and very, um, you know, application oriented, even though, yes, as we draw, as we draw God's truth from the page that we're studying, he will teach us, he will convict us and show us how we're to live out this truth in our lives. No question. And so sometimes when you're getting into these particular passages, though, when you're looking at the historical you know, narrative here and looking at the ramifications of what's going on and how did this play out over here and over there? You know, again, this is sometimes it could be kind of boring or dry to some people. I, I, I don't see that as, as something that is boring. I see just the wealth of truth and just when we measure through scripture, the assessments of people like Paul and what's happening, what's occurring and kind of look into things and let scripture interpret scripture. I think it's so enlightening. It's fun. And it's, and I hope you feel the same. So that that's, I say that because that's kind of like what we're going to be doing in today's passage, you know, where we're going to be kind of looping some other verses together and pulling from another source to make sense of what he's kind of conveying. And then of course there is uh, at times confusion where we don't know, and it could be speculative and, and hopefully I do a good job to to kind of when we venture into speculation to say, hey guys, this isn't concrete. You know, here's some alternatives or here's some different uh, takes on this and be clear about that. And so as we do go through this passage, I think um, I'm just going to kind of set that out as a marker for all of us to understand that 
there are some interpretations here as to what exactly Paul was up to, what he did, or there's just, you know, again, a period of darkness. So, as always, check out the podcast and other platforms, stanstrawministries.org. Pray for us, you guys. Give to continue to support this uh, ministry. And before I do jump in, it just, it's just so funny because I wasn't planning on saying this, but I just felt from the Lord right now to say this. We are going to be signing a, um, a contract with uh, Edify, which is owned by Christian Post, which I get to you know, write some um, op-ed pieces for on occasion when I have time. But they are, that we're now in agreement that we're going to be launching a new podcast. Of course, Stand Strong in the Word will continue. This is, our, this is our podcast to go through the scriptures verse by verse in chronological order. But we're going to be doing Challenging Conversations with Jason Jimenez, which is kind of a spinoff from my book, Challenging Conversations. And I'll be having friends and colleagues coming in as guests with me. It's not going to be an interview format per se. It's going to be a discussion of, of us talking about deep things, controversial things, and how we as Christians are to engage them, think through them. So it's going to be a very teachable time. Think of it like sitting, listening to two experts on various different topics and that you can sit there taking notes and learning how you can engage the culture for Christ. So we're going to be launching that in the fall of 2021. So I will be letting you guys know on this podcast how you can get access to that one when it comes out. So be praying for that, you guys. And so again, these are ways as Christians listening to the podcast right now that you can sow seeds of blessing, that you can minister uh, with alongside of us as you pray, uh, not just listening and sharing these podcasts to people in your church, in your family, friends, whatever, but also that you guys can bless us financially by giving to Stand Strong Ministries so we can continue to invest and produce these podcasts. So um, just be praying for us. Okay. So I appreciate that you guys. All right. So let's now transition our time here in the word of God. Galatians chapter one, let me read it verses 15 through 24. But when he had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, notice verse 18, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas, that's Peter, remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorify God because of me. Now, I think this is such a rich passage of scripture as Paul, again, if you remember, just to bring up to speed in the previous podcast, as we looked at Galatians chapter 1, 11 through 14, Paul was defending his authority. He was defending his message of the, that is the gospel. And if you remember, he was talking about how he lived his former life in Judaism. So he's looking at the past and then, and then the calling that God had placed in his life. And now he's transitioning about what he did after that. So let's go back to verse 15. And here, Paul's service to God was given to him. Remember, he says before he was born. Now we know the account in Acts chapter nine, and he talks about it, how he would converted to Christ. But in essence, though, and if you look at it deeper in a theological way, and of course, Paul has had time now to, re to and again, as a f uh, former practicing Jew in the sense of Jew and being, you know, into Judaism and being a Pharisee, he clearly knew of the sovereignty of God, that God is eternal, 
and looking at Psalm 139 and knowing that before he was formed that God knew him. And so he's applying now his apostleship and saying, this is a divine calling that God had called me before I was even born by his grace. Paul's words are similar to that of the prophet Isaiah. If you remember the prophet Isaiah said, listen to me, O coastlands, and give attention, you people from afar. The Lord called me, notice, from the womb. not cool? He says, from the body of my mother, he named my name. So in a way, this is a play on of words of Paul's Jewishness. And he's kind of using the language, if you will, of David and Isaiah. Now, although Paul's former life, remember, was spent in rebellion, he was recognized by God in his, and again, I can't explain this stuff when you think about the sovereignty, the, the sovereign plan of God, or as Paul, excuse me, as Peter says in Acts 2, 23, by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You know, when God decrees something eternally, it's, an, it's, it's his eternal decree. And so even though, you know, Paul would be born and be a Pharisee of Pharisees, he'd be a zealot according to Philippians chapter three, God knew him. God knew that he would give his life uh, to Christ and that he would become the most recognizable Christian. Isn't that amazing? And he acknowledges that. I love this phrase, call me by his grace. So this is a common phrase that we clearly see throughout Paul's writings. And, And what he's doing here is he's actually describing God's effectual call on his life. Okay. So if you've never understood or studied, you know, the, um, effectual, uh, calling of God, you can look that up, but clearly we see this in two passages of scripture. Number one, in first Corinthians 15, verse 10, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And then Ephesians three, verse 10, he says of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. So again, it wasn't anything that Paul brought to the table. You know, he was just grasping and trying to understand the magnitude of God's grace. On one hand, he's identifying the sovereignty of God, the sovereign hand of God with the effectual call of God in his life. Man, that's security, my friends. If you can grasp that, you know, to the, to, to the level that you can as a finite being, but be rest assured in that and put your faith and trust in that, then no matter what type of persecution, of course, that Paul would go through, he would never abandon his calling and he would never abandon his savior. While he was still persecuting the Christians, God's love was evident for his life. So also let that be a reminder for people maybe you're praying for right now that, are, that have not repented and they're still in their sins and you just feel like giving up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Think of Paul the apostle. When he was still persecuting the church, God was still working in his life. He says in verse 16, he was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. And then notice he says, I didn't immediately go consult. So he, he didn't just go right off, you know, into Jerusalem to talk to the apostles or, over where, or wherever they were. What he's making evident is that he didn't seek for man's approval. It goes back to what he said, going back in Galatians chapter one, verses eight through 10. And not only that, but this is important, especially for my listeners out there who are serving the Lord in vocational ministry, they were, Paul was not using any supplemental calling, right? Meaning he was not trying to add to the divine call of God, all right? That's so important. God has called you. You don't need to go seek the approval of man uh, to, to uh, verify in a way. Now, I'm not saying that 
you know, again, you don't need elders or people in your life who, who see the calling of God and verify by anointing you and you become an ordained minister or something like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that clearly in this, in this portion of scripture, Paul knew the calling that God had given him. And so he didn't need people to verify that. He knew it already, that he was going to preach to the Gentiles. Okay? And that was another thing. It wasn't like he was going to the apostles saying, hey, how are you guys reaching the Gentiles and how can I learn from you? Yeah, not in a cocky way. Now, he would make, that would be his main task. We're told in Romans 11, 13 through 14, he says, now I am speaking to you Gentiles inasmuch then as I am an apostle, notice, to the Gentiles. So that was not a segue of Paul, but his primary task was not an apostle to the apostles, was an apostle to the Jews, but to the Gentiles. He says, I magnify my ministry, meaning there's credibility. This is what I'm called to do. And when you have been in that place or you are now in that place where you know without a shadow of a doubt you're doing what God has called you to do, that's where you get that, this term, magnify by my ministry. It's not just what Paul accomplishes, but the people he's accomplishing his task with and for. So in order, he says, somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. So here you have the, one of the most talented, brilliant minds in the Jewish circle reaching Gentiles. And he says, nor did I go to Jerusalem. So this is where I was talking earlier about the timetable. It's not certain why Paul mentions not going to Jerusalem to be with the apostles, other than just, again, where his state of mind was, where he was not seeking the approval of man, I, I suppose. But perhaps he is also making the case that because he's call, his calling is to be an apostle, and it came directly from Jesus, um, that in time, right, as he's meditating, I don't know if you've been there too, when something really dramatic happens in your life, it, you just need to be alone, right? So it wasn't like he was rejecting the apostles. It just wasn't the time. He wasn't there probably. He wasn't, he did, he wasn't in that mindset, okay? Or perhaps, you know, Paul wanted to avoid Jerusalem because of safety reasons. Think about it. Just prior to this, he had been given like top authority from the Sanhedrin, from the chief priest, from the high priest. And now he's converted. And so he was given this authority. And so that was an embarrassing thing for them, for the Pharisees, that is, and for the high priest as well. So he says when he went away in Arabia, prior to going off to Arabia to be alone, Paul preached Jesus, though, in the synagogues in Damascus, we're told in Acts chapter 9, 19 through 21. Now, a lot of people think he's saved, Ananias comes, the scales fall off his eyes, you know, and he runs off to Arabia. No, he actually was already preaching Jesus in the synagogues. So this man is evangelistic. So this would put Paul's conversion at around eighty thirty three. Shortly thereafter, he would then travel to the Nabataean kingdom in Transjordan of King Aratus the Fourth, and and we get this description of this leader going back into Second Corinthians chapter eleven verses thirty two and thirty three, where Paul describes how he escaped from danger while in what Damascus. Isn't that interesting? So he mentions this. When he flees to Damascus, because he says at Damascus, the governor under King Aratus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in the basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. So let me break it down and show you guys two missions so we understand 
And again, I'm going to try to visually grasp this, right? Listening to this. The first mission, after being saved at about 8033, within maybe no more than a year and a half since the resurrection of Christ. I put in the first year, okay? So the first mission is to Damascus. And we're told in Acts 9, verse 19, he goes to Damascus with some disciples. And there in verse 20, he's proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. So he's not in Jerusalem in the synagogues, but he's in Damascus in the synagogues, and synagogues are for Jews. So he's preaching to the Jews. In verse 21, we're told in Acts 9, they're amazed by his teaching and also his conversion. So literally, probably in, in the Greek play on of words there from Luke, He's sharing his testimony, talking about how radical that is. So now the second mission is he goes from Damascus to Arabia. And oftentimes it just abbreviates as three years, but it's an approximation of two and a half, two plus years, if you will. And in Acts 9, verse 22, we're told that he goes off to Arabia and there he increases in his knowledge, strength, and, he, and, and he's confounded the Jews in Damascus. So he's got now a little experience under his belt of what this is going to look like now being a Christian, if you will and no longer a Jew who was persecuting the church. So he went away into Arabia to, to spend time to study, to grow in his faith, to, to develop his giftedness and what this calling looked like. Now, this timetable of him spending this time is probably going back to Acts chapter 9, somewhere between verses 21 and 22, or verses 22 and 23. So we don't know exactly where, but we just know because he says in verse 18 that he had spent two plus years, because he says, then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit. And now he goes to visit Peter, he says. Now that word visit here in Greek is historio. And so it literally just means when he went to Jerusalem to meet with Peter, the Greek word here is he wanted to become acquainted. And not only that, but it also carries the idea he wanted to gain information from Peter. Isn't that interesting? So he wants to know Peter and learn about Peter's relationship with Jesus and what it was like to be a disciple. Uh, obviously, could you imagine just hanging out and listening to them have these conversations for two weeks? But he also wanted to get information. We don't know exactly what, but we, I mean, we can imagine, right, that they talked a lot about Jesus and what it was like, you know, to be a disciple of Jesus and what, where the church is at and, and, and you know, what's that going to look like in years to come? Because this is, again, about eighty thirty five. So we're, so, you know, him traveling from Damascus to then Jerusalem. Now Cephas, based on the wording, again, it's Paul's, uh, is visiting him. And, and as I was mentioning, this is a, a time where Peter gets to know Paul as well. Uh, we don't know the details, but that's important. And so from that point, as they, they both are becoming acquainted with one another and praying with each other and supporting one another, they built a friendship. And we later see that we're going to see in Galatians chapter two, and then you're going to see the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. But there's a third mission, Arabia to Damascus. So then after this two plus years, um, again, as I mentioned, Paul didn't actually spend three years in Arabia and Damascus. Again, it's not, the Bible's not contradicting. It just, oftentimes in scripture, they just, they condense it. Okay. If it's more than two or if it's more than three, they'll say four or three, whatever, like that. But there's a, you know, again, let me just, I felt like I need to say this as I jump into Acts 9.23, there is a, a Jewish reckoning of accounts that show partial years as full years. That's, that's what I put here in my notes as just an explanation of that. So it's not a contradiction. I'm very careful because people can use that immediately when I say 
two plus years. And you're like, no, right here it says three years. So which is it? You know, is the Bible making, uh, you know, uh, uh, give or giving an account that's, that's false? No, the Jewish reckoning accounts partial years as full years. All right, so saying that now, as we look back in Acts chapter 9, verse 23, when it says, when many days had passed, Jews wanted to kill him. And then you cross-reference that to verse 26 of Acts chapter 9, where it says, Paul, or Saul, right, knew their plot and the disciples saved him. So that was the time in which, uh, you know, he is, one, he's seeing the response to the gospel. Two, when he was preaching to the Jews in Damascus in the synagogue, but also the uh, persecution that was now um, tied to him. So now the tables have turned. And so that's why the fourth mission, he goes to Damascus. And now after that two plus years, and he's spending 15 days. And we're told in verses 26 through 29 now, remember we're sometime in that gap of that two plus years between verses 23 through 26. He attempts to join the disciples now. And that's when Barnabas, you guys, brings him before the apostles. So it was three years almost, 8035-ish, when he's in Jerusalem and it's Barnabas who says, hey, I'm going to present you to the apostles. Notice it's, I think it's so fascinating. It wasn't Peter who did that, but he had just spent that two weeks with Peter. Now, we don't know, but who's, who's to say that uh, it, it didn't happen this way where Peter was talking to Barnabas and through that relationship, Barnabas says, I'll reach out to him because he's a son of encouragement. I don't know. But that's the four different missions, okay? So from Damascus, Damascus to Arabia, Arabia to Damascus, and then Damascus back to Jerusalem. So that's the, that breakdown, you guys, when you're looking at this passage of scripture that we're reading in Galatians 1 to Acts chapter 9. So now let's look at verse 19. Where it says, then I saw none other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now, this is interesting because you and I know in scripture, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 7, James, who was a not a believer, according to John 7, at some point he is saved. He becomes a follower of his half brother because we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 7, that Jesus appeared to him in his resurrected body in, in a private way. That's it. I believe James told that account as he would later write in the 50s, 8050s, 1 Corinthians. So James is telling Paul this when they meet here. And of course, we know that James would later become a church leader in Jerusalem. Now, by the way, just let me pause before we jump into verse 20. If you have not gone through our study in the book of James here on the podcast, check that out. Go to standstrongministries.org or wherever you get your podcast and make sure that you guys take a listen to that. So now verse 20, though, in kind of like in brackets, it says, in what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. It's interesting. So Paul's declaring divine judgment on himself if what he's writing isn't true. And for some reason, he felt compelled to do that. I don't know why. But then he says, then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. This is important because he would later go minister in his first missionary journey. And then later after he and Barnabas split in, in Acts chapter 16, when he starts going to minister and strengthening the churches. Now, this area was important because it includes Paul's hometown of Tarsus. The MacArthur Study Bible says he was, that is Paul, he was preaching in that region for several years. When word of revival in that area reached Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas, Acts 11, 20 through 26. Paul stayed on in that region as a pastor in the church at Antioch. With Barnabas, they went from there on the first missionary journey, Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. And afterward, returned to Antioch, Acts 14, verse 26, from where they were 
sent to the Jerusalem council in Acts 14, verse 26 to chapter 15, verse 4, end quote. So again, you see the breakdown, the significance of this particular region. And then in verse 22, and it was still known in the persons of the churches of Judea that are in Christ. And so they're hearing about Paul. So Paul, he, he emphasizes his distance from the Judean Christians. He's emphasizing his distance, even including the Christians, the Jewish Christians, that is, in Jerusalem. And I believe his avoidance was based on three reasons. One, he was protecting himself again from his enemies. Two, uh, God was using him at this time, ministering in Syria and Cilicia in his hometown. And three, his public ministry had not yet come. So this actually now leads to the fifth mission of Paul in his early conversion. This is, remember, this is before his, his uh, first missionary journey with Barnabas in Acts chapter 13. So he goes from Jerusalem now to Syria and Cilicia and Judea, according to verses 21 through 24. We can see this in two passages of scripture. The first is in Acts chapter 9, verse 30 and 31, where it says, And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and, Ju- and, and Galilee and Samaria had peace and it was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit and multiplied. And they were told in Acts 11, 25 through 26. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. That's the period of time that he's talking about here. So in essence, you guys, when you look at Galatians 1, 15 through 24, again, it's a short little thing. He mentions a couple things. But the great thing is we have the book of Acts and other letters that Paul would later write throughout his missionary journeys as an apostle to the Gentiles, right? That we can then piece together and maybe get a fuller understanding, a better picture of Paul's life in between these particular passages of scripture. So I hope that's been a blessing to you guys. And again, it's a great reminder to look at scripture and to study it so you can have a, not just a, an appreciation, but a deeper understanding. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stan Strong Ministries, visit us at stanstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening and keep standing strong in the Word of God.